Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinock. Well, folks, if you didn't know what a Seventh-day Adventist was, thanks to Donald Trump, you might have a little bit more of an idea, uh, seeing as how he took some pot shots at his uh, competitor, uh, Dr. Ben Carson, by suggesting, insinuating, well, you know, I'm a Presbyterian, Carson's an Adventist, I, I don't know what that is. Um, we're going to take a look at how religion is playing out in this presidential campaign with a very seasoned journalist, uh, Frederick Clarkson currently serves as Senior Fellow for Religious Liberty at Political Research Associates and has been a guest with us before. Fred, welcome back to Freedom's Ring. Well, thanks for having me back. And, uh, you know, I gather you mentioned in, an, in our email exchange that you actually uh, did something to defend Seventh-day Adventists along, uh, along the way, and I think our listeners know I happen to be a Seventh-day Adventist. Um, but, um, just for the record, uh, we don't, we're very nonpartisan here, so I'm not going to endorse candidates, Seventh-day Adventist or otherwise, um, but certainly look with interest on how Dr. Carson's faith has now been catapulted onto the front pages of, uh, of our popular media. Oh, well, that's right. Uh, you know, I, I look at this, you know, less from a partisan standpoint, more from how religion is being played out here. And, and uh, I, I stuck up for Ben Carson in this case because Donald Trump was uh, casting a jaundiced eye. He's like, well, I don't know about that guy's faith. <laughs> I don't know about Seventh-day Adventism, as if to suggest there was something wrong with it. And it may very well be he really doesn't know anything about it. But uh, the idea that he would raise it in that sort of vague, suspicious way was, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing that everybody who's ever been on the receiving end of religious bigotry or any other kind of bigotry knows exactly what that sounded like. And uh, I, was, I was astounded that he went there, uh, but, uh, but there it is. Well, uh, actually, my producer's description of Trump is somebody who doesn't have any filters. You know, he just says what comes to mind, um, and that might be about right. But uh, uh, the, he's also savvy. You know, I think he he's a he doesn't have any filters, but what filters he has is intended to go for the jugulars that he detects out there. He he knows uh -huh. how to to go for something that's red meat for uh, for his constituents. Uh, and certainly. Uh, well, Carson has strong support among religious conservatives, and so wanting to somehow shake that support and question that support, uh, I can see why uh, why Trump might want to do that. Um, following well, that, though, since his own uh, his own uh, religious affiliation is is kind of vague too. <laughs> he was raised <laughs> in, the, in the mainline Presbyterian Church, um, and uh, he. His family mostly attended, however, the Marble Collegiate Church, which is part of the Reformed Church in America. And when journalists called 
the Marble Collegiate Church in New York City about Trump, they said, well, he's not an active member. So when Trump you know, goes after Carson saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm a Presbyterian, that's about as mainstream as you can get. Uh, that may be so, but it's unclear about how affiliated he actually is. In fact, the church's views on so many things are so vastly different than his own. Uh, <laughs> you have to wonder what kind of mainstream that he's actually invoking there. He was throwing well, Stalin away from his own vague religious identity in order to cast aspersions on somebody else's. I think vague is a polite term in this regard. But um, why should it matter what—I mean, personally, I want to see a choice among two candidates who I could trust either one of them to run the most powerful nation on the planet. And I'm not entirely sure— uh, that their religious affiliation is critical to their competency to uh, to be president, but but it seems like Americans feel that that faith really is somehow important. Uh, I think people feel that faith can be important. They can also see it as a, as something that's uh, employed by demagogues who are trying to score cheap points and you know raise passions. I mean, we're a religiously plural society and. Uh, part of the art of being that, part of uh, being a democratic society, is that we learn to respect religious differences. That said, we sometimes need to figure out when it matters, when it matters in our own lives and when it matters in the lives of others. The way that a candidate connects their personal faith to uh, to their public persona is important. But what we saw in the, in the Carson-Trump uh, uh, dust-up was a man, at least in Trump's case, as somebody who doesn't seem to respect uh, religious difference in a pluralist society is doing exactly the wrong thing. So regardless of where his personal faith lies, his public behavior uh, as uh, somebody who aspires to national leadership, at least to my mind, is in question. So I gotta go here, Fred. You defended Carson when he was being uh, criticized for his faith by Trump. But what about Carson's comments about uh, questioning whether a Muslim was qualified to be president? Well, you wouldn't be surprised to hear that I would have a problem with that, too, as did some of his uh, Republican uh, opponents. Uh, and this goes to even more fundamental thing as our chief constitutional officer. Um, Article 6 of the Constitution, written after you know, 150 years of colonial theocracies, said there'll be no religious test for public office. And what they were getting at there were the religious oaths that uh, public officials had to take in the, in, in the colonies. And those changed over time, according to changes in doctrine and various religious establishments. But also, most importantly, because people knew that politicians lie. <laughs> A Christian oath? Oh, well, sure, just tell me what I need to say. And so the idea of taking religion off the table as qualification for public office was a hard-learned lesson. So when we see Ben Carson stepping forward and saying, well, he doesn't think a Muslim would be qualified to be president, he's sort of missing the point about uh, the nature of our society and the nature of the Constitution that he's about to swear, or hopes to be able to swear, uh, to protect. Well, and I guess, you know, my concern, here we are recording a few days after the attacks in Paris, and this is a time when anti-Muslim sentiment has been stoked. Uh, the 
you know, ISIS is blamed for the terror attacks. They've taken credit for the attacks, to be fair. Um, and there has been violence in various parts of the world, in Canada, certainly in France. Uh, I haven't heard any reports yet about violence in the United States, but I'd be surprised if there wasn't any. Um, certainly, there's been discussion about uh, whether uh, we should permit uh, Muslim refugees into our country and considerable sentiment uh, in some circles against that. So all of this, uh, you know, when we have someone who aspires to leadership casting aspersions on, um, you know, whether a Muslim should lead or, you know, provide leadership in our country, uh, I think it plays into these kinds of fears, and it's very concerning to me. Well, absolutely. You know, we we look to our leaders, and we, we, in fairness, we expect an awful lot of our leaders. But you know, we we expect them to lead by example, and that uh, if there are values of religious pluralism and respect, and trying to avoid whipping up fears and potential violence, we expect a president to be a moral leader in that way. And uh, people who behave otherwise as a candidate are asking for scrutiny that they don't want. But they may also be demonstrating you know, why people might not want to consider them, particularly in this very volatile time. We're looking for a leader who can resolve and differences and calm fears and make a better world. So, you know, going back to questions that were raised about Dr. Ben Carson's faith, um, I think there has been at least some serious discussion uh, in the secular media about what do Seventh-day Adventists believe and what sort of influence that would have on a Carson presidency if he were to be elected. Um, do you think it's fair to ask those questions in a serious way, not, you know, not in a way to belittle Dr. Carson, but do the American people have a right to, to know, you know, what what he believes and how that might influence his leadership? Uh, the, the short answer is, is, is yes. You know, I don't think we want uh, public inquisitions uh, of our political leaders, but uh, Dr. Carson has made his faith an important part of his public persona in a way that, say, Donald Trump has not. Uh, so, yes, I think uh, in the case of Ben Carson, he invites particular scrutiny, but, but in fairness to him, and just to what I'm read, I'm not an expert on his faith, and I'm not sure anybody can be, but he's said contradictory things. And at least in my observation about uh, faith and candidates, uh, is that, and I think John Kennedy said it well in 1960 when he gave his speech to the Houston Ministerial Association as the first serious uh, Catholic candidate, and he said, look, you know, I'm not the Catholic candidate for president. Elected president elected to represent all the people and not just Catholics. And if my Catholic conscience ever conflicted with my public office, I would resign. He wanted to make sure that he was going to be running for president, not for Catholic president. So nobody is uh, perfectly in conformity with their denomination doctrine. And uh, they have doubts and there's views evolve over time. So I, I wouldn't look at Seventh-day Adventist doctrine and try to figure out whether uh, 
Uh, ben Carson conforms to that because I don't care. <laughs> On the other hand, there may be specific things uh, where he says, where he connects the dots of his own beliefs to his policies, and that could make a difference. Uh, it came up, for example, uh, when Joe Lieberman was running for president and later for vice president. As an Orthodox Jew, he kept uh, uh, the Saturday Sabbath, and people wondered, well, would that affect your ability to function as president on Saturday? And he had to think about it for a minute, but ultimately said, no, I, I could do that. Obviously, Ben Carson faces the same situation. Sure. Well, you know, one of the things I've been pleased with, Fred, is that uh, the media has invited some Adventist leaders to come and uh, give them a little primer on who Seventh-day Adventists are, what we're all about. And one of the message points, I guess, that's been quite prominent has been our commitment to religious freedom. And, of course, that's been my ministry for more than two decades, and uh, I'm certainly happy to see the church's uh, promotion of religious freedom for all, not just the freedom to believe as I do, but freedom for all, uh, to be something that the church itself is projecting front and center in, in shaping how we're perceived by the, by the larger world. Because I think, you know, it's obviously why I do this ministry and do this radio show. And, and what we're doing here is uh, uh, to share these values of religious freedom for all. But um, So I do think this dust-up, as you called it, good term, uh, between Trump and Carson has been a good opportunity, uh, at least for folks to to learn something about the Adventists in, in their midst. I'm, I'm looking at the clock, and we're out of time. Our guest today, journalist Fred Clarkson, Senior Fellow for Religious Liberty, Political Research Associates, been talking about uh, Trump's criticism of Dr. Ben Carson's faith. Fred, thanks for being with us on Freedom's Ring today. Well, thanks so much for having me back. Thank you for listening, and don't forget that Freedom's Ring is now available on SoundCloud on the internet. Check out our Freedom's Ring SoundCloud radio station. Don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed. Get involved. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.